0: buyer here welcoming you to season three if you're new to the show i hope you'll subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and let's get growing Listeners, have you heard my most recent interview with JM Fortier? Did you know that he started an awesome new venture called Growers and Company, where they have a magazine that's printed that comes out twice a year that highlights the amazing farmers that he's taught personally. So you're going to learn from people who are putting his practices into place on their Farms. If you want to be a better farmer, you definitely want to subscribe to this magazine. That's going to be like a coffee table item on your shelf. And then the other thing, part of Growers and Company is he's created tools that he uses on his farm that he's like studied. You know, he got to travel all around the world when he wrote his book, The Market Gardener. If you don't have that, you absolutely have to get a copy of it, but he's, he's, he got to go travel to all these farms and then he would look at tools that they had in the hardware stores or using in these other farms, brought them back to his farm, you know, talked to a developer, came out with some really cool tools. Like he talks about his broad fork, the handles are just wood and that helps it make it light, but it's sturdy. It's just the exact kind of broad fork that I want. Um, And they've got other really cool weeders and different things. And then he's got farmware that he designed that will keep you dry and keep you out there. I know with my, one of my big barriers was my garden shoes. So he's got boots and just great things that are stylish, comfortable, but most of all, they're going to keep you warm and dry when you're out in your garden doing all that hard work. So growers and company, Growers.co check it out, get something for your favorite gardener. Definitely get a small scale farmers are changing the world t-shirt for your favorite farmer marker vendor. Do you belong to a CSA? I'll bet you want to get them a Christmas present this year. It doesn't have to be on time. I know it might be late when you're hearing this, but make sure you support growers.co. Their stuff is super affordable. The Canadian exchange right now, um, I just bought something for someone, um, a present for Kathy from the composters because I go to her laughter yoga with her. And I think it said it was like $25 and then, it, but it only took $20 out of my bank account. So I, I probably shouldn't be talking about the Canadian exchange, but I know his things are affordable. I researched broad forks and what they cost. I, you know, it, it's a great deal. You will get so much use out of that tool. Um, so support growers and co join the amazing Patty Armister and I Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. Montana standard time, 11 a.m. Eastern eight. AM Pacific for grow live on YouTube. Patty Armister is going to ask your questions. You can submit them ahead of time and we'll be prepared with the answers. Uh, What do you want to know? We're starting out talking about selecting seeds, but she's going to answer everything from how to process local meats to You know, what pests are good or, you know, what plants are good to bring in beneficial insects into your garden? Just, we all know Patty knows so much about everything. I'll be asking the questions. She'll be answering them. We're going to be doing this on YouTube live Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Montana Standard Time, 10 Central, 11 Eastern, Saturday mornings on YouTube Grow Live with Patty and Jackie. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Tuesday, December 8th, 2020, but 2021 is right around the corner when season three is going to launch and you'll probably be listening to this. So um, I hope you had a happy new year and I have uh, a great guest on the line. He was on the show before. He had an amazing... Summit that I participated in, and he's got all sorts of cool new stuff going on. So, here to share golden seeds galore is Steve Sudir. Oh my goodness,
1: Sudira. There you go. You got it.
0: (laughs) Welcome, welcome back, Steve. And what's going on with you? Well, tell listeners a little bit about yourself because I do have a lot of new listeners. Yeah, this year
1: great it it's a pleasure to be here jack it's always fun to get on these with you and what and it's been a couple of years and i think uh the last time we did this we were in the beginning stages of doing a soil health summit but you know a lot has ch- changed in my lifestyle and what i do since that time and Um, And when we talked two years ago, I was still actively engaged in a production farm where I was doing regenerative farming practices for, at that time, probably 36 years, 37 years. And last year in 2019, I decided I'd decide, you know, with everything going on and and, um, just wanting to do more of this, basically, I actually... Park the production side of, of my farming for over f- of 40 years of, of farming history and, and decided to go full time and, and, uh, and I actually moved into a new location. I'm more in I'm, I'm actually in central North Dakota right now. I'm like uh, about a quarter of a mile from the Missouri River. and uh, I'm up here on a couple acre property. Uh, um, actually my location is six miles northwest of Bismarck, North Dakota, right? smack dab kind of in the central of North Dakota but uh you know we've we, we've done some testing out here this year I discovered that uh um I I always wanted soil that was going to be a real challenge for me to regenerate and uh, uh God gifted me with that when uh, he landed me on this place because I am on river sand and uh um uh, it, it's it's uh it's put my brain to work I must say in order to try and and build it this way, and I thought, okay, now I know why I ended up here. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, exciting. We've got a lot of things going. I don't know uh, what you want to ask. You know where where you want to go first, but that gives a little bit of my background. and And uh, I've spent over six over six years now doing projects and testing and and bringing that regenerative side of of a production grain farm of what, what we learned out there and brought it into the gardening space. And, uh, and we've actually evolved more. So even we're learning a lot of people want to eat nutrient. You know, we're, we came into 2020 uh, with, with a lot of things, uh, starting out with some uncertainty with this pandemic and stuff, because it was hitting in December and January. And by April, we were full into it. And, saw a huge shift of people that wanted to become more healthy and decided to be more health conscious, Uh, you know, and and, uh, I I don't know how long winded you want me to get here. But in December of 2019, we actually uh, entered into a keto space into a, a weight loss area and uh, did it with the idea I wanted to learn more about that and what was going on health-wise because my holistic doctor talked about it quite a bit and we can talk more about that as it goes on because um, we have a whole bunch of things we've learned over the past year in the in the diet area and and what we can do on the nutrient side so
0: my first question is what are you growing like are you you said it's two acres now so are you doing like Multiple are you growing vegetables even compared to grain, or uh, what are you growing?
1: Well, this first and year we my did second a
0: second piece of that is where what's the zone in Bismarck, North Dakota? Do you have snow on the ground?
1: You know, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we it's probably a little bit wire uh, warmer here than it is in Western North Dakota, um, and, and that depends because where I'm at on the river here, you know. and and a lot of people want to pay attention to these zones and stuff. And, you know, you've got to look at what's around you, what's growing, what's what's the natural environment. You know, yes, you can look at a zone map, but I could look at a zone map in Bismarck, North Dakota, and I'm six miles northwest of Bismarck, and I'm typically six to eight, sometimes 10 degrees cooler than they are in the city. So looking at that, Jackie, what what are you going to do with a zone map? Um
0: I know, but at least it's like, I mean, I guess it's obvious if you're if you're in North Dakota, it's not like Texas, but right, and just, and, you know, and and kinda. I get that,
1: you know, it, and I think it's like seven or eight, you know, we're still in that band, um, we're not quite like you are. We have longer a longer growing season, but um, where I'm at. I'm telling you, it's going to present its set of challenges because we are going to have frost longer in the spring. We're going to have frost earlier in the fall. And uh, we have soil that dries out very quickly. I mean, uh, the evaporation rate in this soil and and, you know, sand has a high drainage rate the way it is. So there's lots of things that we have to do different with it. And that's what I mean. We, you know, you just have to be conscious of what's around you if you want a garden, as far as what we're growing this last year, we did no dig potatoes. Um, absolutely no digging. We did no weeding and we had some grasses that we had to remove from time to time, but we had such deer pressure down here on the river. And, uh, you know, I saw people around with high fences and stuff and, and of course just moving in and trying to get things going and supplies being limited. And, we found ourselves running around to several different places a long ways out, trying to find some six foot fence to keep the deer out. So they got needless to say that the potatoes got mowed off like six times. And then, uh, Oh we my were, gosh.
0: Yeah. Then what did you do?
1: Well, I just, did we just they left grow them. back? Oh yeah. We just left them grow and, and we've got pictures of, of the harvest. It's, it's unbelievable, but they were a totally no dig potato. And, uh, um, I, can't say it was totally my idea i I learned the concept a little bit from my good friend Jay foyer out at Minoken farms and uh I thought you know we're gonna we're gonna try it here and it and it worked amazing I mean it was absolutely amazing how how it worked but there's some key things that you have to do with it so
0: so when did you how long have you been there two it was just i this i moved, past I moved spring? Here. like yeah. what do you have to do for a prep work? for the no-till potato well the
1: biggest did you put down tarps no i i actually did and and it's still in a testing thing but um we did part of it with fabric and then i did the other part with just what i was building an armor layer on top building that cover and we just covered the soil and we have our watering system underneath that to to keep everything moist and And then everything is set up automatic so that they get an hour. It gets an hour of water every day. It doesn't go by. It doesn't miss a a beat. And that's the key to building that soil life. We started out, there was virtually no life in this soil because, like I said, it's sand. And we couldn't find worms out here. I mean, it was next to impossible. Now towards the west end of the garden, which for whatever reason, has just a little elevation in it downward. Um, The last, it it took about four to five weeks and all of a sudden we started finding worms. So they were there. um, They were in their their dormant stage and they just stayed that way. But they they came back to life. And so it was pretty exciting when we started finding our worms coming back because I wanted to do it without adding them to see how long, you know, I had an idea. Anytime you got living plants above the soil, you're going to have things below it no matter what your soil is. And there's things that are going to try to survive cuz mother nature's always trying to restore herself. So I had a had an idea they should be there and I wanted to find out how we could bring them back naturally and we did it.
0: So what was there before? Was there like some kind of grass or was it like just, just sand plain? Sand, sand hmm. and quack grass. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Oh lots of quackgrass. Yep, that's all you we You didn't had dig sp- the quackgrass out?
1: No. Nope. No. Nope. The best thing to do with quackgrass, it's it's in my experience it's next to impossible to kill quackgrass and and by digging I would have killed everything that was there. By and large there was very there was hardly anything there to start with, but digging it would have made made it worse it would have complicated the process so, so
0: walk me through it like you dug a hole stuck a potato down in the middle nope. of the quack grass and nope. it, oh
1: there, there are no dig all we did is is we used
0: you just put the potatoes on top of the quack grass?
1: on top of the ground right on top of the ground and we used armor layer over the top of them
0: yep. and what's an armor layer that
1: armor layer is your cover that you put on top of the soil um It's the same thing as what we build out in the fields. It's that protective cover layer of carbon, carbon being everything that's grown from the past. And I like to use a mixture of leave clippings uh, of leaves and grass clippings. I like a 40, 60 mixture of 40 green and 60 Brown to start out with and, but you gotta get that cover. You gotta, what we call the armor layer. And the reason we call it armor is because if you go on my website, you'll learn we just released a, a gardening bundle. Um, um, we called it this, the ultimate simple gardening bundle. And it's over 50 videos of everything that, that I've tested and stuff. It's never been out there before. And that's the first time that we decided to release it on Black Friday. But you'll learn about building the armor layer on top of the soil and an exact process of how to do that so that it's 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 the number two principle in soil regeneration. And it's the first one being no disturbance, no digging, no rototilling, no double digging, no hoeing, no raking, anything. Zero disturbance of any type. And number two is building that armor layer on top of the soil so that we can protect what's underneath there. And it, it has such a dual purpose, and I'm getting kind of carried away here. I hope that's okay. But the the armor layer, it, it first off, it protects by evaporation from the soil. And then the next thing it does is it feeds everything that's below it because it provides food for whatever wants to come up and feed off of it the next thing that it does is when it does rain it's like a like a sponge imagine a raindrop hitting the pavement what does it do it splashes well it does the same thing on exposed soil it splashes it puts all them spores on leaves and those leads those spore those those soil particles and all that contain fungus and what, what that does is it leads to fungal infection in your plants. Well, when you have the armor layer, if you were to drop that same raindrop on a sponge, does it have the splash? No. No, it, 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 it's like a shock absorber in a vehicle or a cushion. It hits that armor layer like if it was hitting a sponge, it doesn't splash. And what splash there is is clean water it doesn't have soil particles in it, like when it hits the soil and splashes. So that's the other purpose that it has And it. And, and there's a lot, a uh, lot more to it, you can go out, we've done testing with it. Like if you take a 100 degree day, you can sometimes see as much as a 20 to 25 degree temperature variance between bare soil temperature, and where the armor is, we don't have the the huge temperature swings in it, but it also remains so much cooler and protects the roots of your tender plants.
0: So I've heard a lot of people like you didn't even put cardboard down with those potatoes and then cover it up just right on top of the quack grass. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. And we, we went in and, and took a weed eater and, and cut it down short so that we weren't dealing with a lot, but quack grass wants to grow. So, within ten days or so, it was right back where where it would have been, and it was continuously trying to push through and then all we did is we used grass clippings and and uh we ended up using them a, a lot in fact, I was almost t- having to go over to the neighbor and suck up some of his grass because we we got into it w- when we first start out, it doesn't go very fast it you cover it and it just kind of stays there, and you gotta be careful because. If it's green, you don't want it to mold on top because then you get fungal going as well. So you got to spread it kind of thin, and uh, but it's a lot easier spreading grass clippings out than it is rototilling or digging or anything like that. And it's so much more beneficial. The soil that we built underneath this is absolutely amazing in our first year now. But uh, we just... Um, towards the end of the season, we were continually having to add more grass clippings to it because uh, and we we didn't have, we used what leaves we could, we didn't have a lot of that right available. This fall, I've gathered up, I'm in a pretty wooded area down here, so I've gathered went over, I think the neighbors thought I was nuts. Um, You want what? You want my leaves? Yeah, I want your leaves. I got a huge mountain of leaves out here that I'm going to shred and continue to build, but this soil is so hungry for that type of, of nutrient value in it that we put, put those grass clippings on top and they were getting to where they were just disappearing like crazy. I mean it was uh, it was really amazing how fast it, that it was going in such a short period of time. I've always said we, could build, we can build soil health in 30 days or less because um, in a farming operation, it would take me a year by year, by year, season, by season, by season, and what I learned from that, I can bring into a smaller space, and I can put that thing on steroids.
0: This is so cool. I did almost very similar thing last year. I I wanted to build a new bed. Now, I put the cardboard down. Did I pull out the quack grass first? I want to say I probably tried to pull out. No, I didn't, because I put the cardboard down. And then I covered it with grass clippings. The problem I had is then I covered it with my husband's good compost. <laughs> I think he wanted to bring my neck. Like, I guess we misunderstood each other. And he's like, yeah, I don't have that earmark, but he didn't realize what bed I was putting it on. And it was supposed to go to our vegetables. I'm like, we don't have a ton of really good compost, but I do see little bits of, co- and then my plan is this spring, I'm going to plant some flowers where i did that but the grass clippings worked really good as mulch i mean my friend patty armister was up here and she's like oh my gosh you guys have so much lawn like she was just a I could tell she was like laying awake at night for days dreaming about all the lawn we have but like the way we look at it is like mm-hmm. we have taken forest and made lawn fire break around our house and and, and then being able to use that, like I had never used grass clippings before. And then I had this other, like I, I built three new beds this year and then, oh, and then I planted buckwheat in it as a cover crop into the compost on top of the grass clippings. So I'm so glad to hear this. Cause I have been worried that those grass clippings are coming up and then I'm getting more quack grass in there, but I think I'm going to be good. I think uh, the buckwheat didn't grow as well as I thought it was gonna, but I think it's going to be fine for those sunflowers and the other two beds. And then... <laughs> um, what I was thinking is like we have the weirdest thing going on here our apple tree in our orchard still have their leaves on them they turned brown way after like they were still green with snow on them we had our first snow September 8th and then a couple more and it was just so weird and then they finally turned brown and they're still hanging on the trees they still have not dropped it's so strange
1: well We planted some fresh apple trees or new ones out here. Kinda have the same thing. I noticed um, you know, and we're getting ready for Christmas here and I got some people that wanna hang Christmas lights. We have to have deer fence around them. Oh yeah, we do too. So we got six foot fence. Yeah, I'm sure you do, because you're right out there in the in the wild. But I mean we're you know, this is this is a rural area that I'm in, but yet it you wouldn't think that the the deer pressure is so crazy, but I mean, I can literally watch deer early in the morning at at sunbreak. There'll be a herd of ten, fifteen deer that go right by my window in the backyard. It's crazy um, on their way through. But um, you know, it's it's um, back to the apple trees. Those they have the the leaves are still brown on them and hanging. They they didn't drop and they're they're tender. They're six seven feet tall, so they were pretty big apple trees that we bought. But uh, yeah, we had the same thing, and I don't know really the reason for that. But um, we got them. We got everything on water lines there, so they get automatically watered every day too. Um, That that's the key on on a lot of this growing cycles is to have. I've always said, and this is another plug here. Not not really a plug, but this is another tip that. I've actually proven where we use 80% less water with our watering systems the way we do it rather than the conventional traditional watering systems that people want to do for gardening and trees and everything.
0: Well, watering is like, we always end up spending way too much time watering and doing things like that and trying to figure it out. So, uh, yeah, an automated watering system would be really nice. And that's what people keep telling me. They're like, you're not deep soaking enough.
1: Well, and and that that goes back to the armor layer, Jackie. Because if you have, if you eliminate the evaporation that's coming out of the soil, that's one of the reasons you use less water. Most traditional gardening or ground that's exposed, the evaporation rate is is tremendous. Now, here's the other thing that... that
0: yeah, but we are I mean we're big mulchers. Everything's really covered well, in mulch. Well, and
1: but. there's a difference between mulch and cover. Um, you know, and what you're doing works for you, but I I want to emphasize and in a note in a true no-till environment system, you don't have to compost. You know, my my good friend uh and and he he wrote the book uh, the the soil health book and uh but, but and he always talks about um mulch in the garden why Why are people composting compost in your garden you know that's what no-till is about you know they want to compost out in other areas and and then they they want to haul it to the garden and that's just more labor it's more work and you know to each for their own but the way that uh the way we the way we teach it the way we do it is is much different um i'm just looking here okay so his book is called the soils Zoner's manual and he talks and and he's got he's probably got 30 years of history or more in there he's retired now his name's john sticka and uh he lives not far from here he lives west of here but i got to know john real well and i got to be around john for several years before he retired and I learned a lot from him and today they have him going in and actually uh, figuring out ways to reclaim some of these oil sites that got tore up and stuff so that uh, they can get vegetation growing back on them again and uh, so he's applying the soil health principles there but uh, um, and, and I'm not you know like I said it works for you but exposing that soil um, you know if, if anybody that listening to this if they're if they're conscious of water water costs are increasing I'm on rural water here um, we're going to put in a sand point I can dry, drill um, knock a sand point in the ground 20 to 25 feet and I can have all the water i I want because I'm that close to the river but even so um, a lot of areas that don't have that availability or if if water costs are expensive um like when i did sarah's little angels project back in 2016 that was her biggest concern she said oh my god she said uh when we had a garden here the one month we had a six hundred dollar water bill and i said um sarah we use about 80 percent water she wouldn't believe me and the first time the water bill comes she went oh my god she said this this is incredible and i don't think we had um and I don't remember the numbers, but they were just, and, and we didn't have the size of garden because we were using intensity more than we were square footage. But uh, I know we didn't, we didn't use six hundred dollars worth of water the whole season, and one month for her was six hundred dollars.
0: I actually have a neighbor who is going to come on. She book, i don't remember where she booked what day, but she said last summer they had a six hundred dollar water bill, and she's coming on to talk about how they fixed that. I can't even imagine it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I—I I would be interesting to—to to learn about that, but. The main thing is, like I said, if if you can control the evaporation, and you can do that with the armor layer uh, on top of the soil, and I can't stress that enough, I know I keep talking about it, but the importance of it is so great, and what it does is is it, it has such a key role in soil regeneration.
0: Yeah, Daniel Mays is going to be my number one episode on January 1st, so by the time listeners hear this, they'll have heard that, and he was also he just wrote the no-till vegetable is it garden and farm handbook or no-till organic vegetable i don't know he wrote a book like that that's just phenomenal um
1: what was his name
0: i want to say it's daniel mays from frith farm does that sound familiar
1: um i haven't heard of him um
0: do you listen to jesse frost no-till market farmer podcast i mm. heard him on there he okay. no jesse hasn't come out with a book but he's uh his podcast is amazing i'm really digging his podcast
1: sure and you know there's um and, and i have to clarify a little bit um there's a big difference between no-till gardening and regenerative gardening um there there's a huge difference between it When I first started out with this project back over six years ago, I was focused on the no-till side of gardening, and that's what it was. It was no-till gardening. Today, I call it regenerative gardening because in order for it to be regenerative and in order for it to be a true soil health system, there's five principles that are connected to that. And if you miss any one of those, you don't have a regenerative system. And just having a no-till system, there's it goes way more beyond that. It goes beyond applying more of the regenerative systems in that, so we can get the micro, my, my, the, the microbiology going in the soil, and and feeding that plant. And and the way we build soil health is with is through living plants. Um, that's number three principle always have growing plants in there so if you harvest part of your plants have something else growing in there you know do sequential planting or something because that is the key to building soil health it's just like um i i think of it this way and i don't know if you want to go down this path or not but i think of it this way that um when if 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 the kids sit down to eat and mom brings out empty plates and puts it in front of them what is the kids going to do or what's the family going to do they're going to look at mom like That is a great food? analogy. The don't go- well they're going to get up and go somewhere else your your microbial stuff in your garden or in whatever you're growing is going to do the same exact thing if you're not constantly feeding it they get hungry they're going elsewhere they're gone so that's The way to remember, we have to keep feeding the microbial activity and the macro activity that's in the soil. And then they work back for us. They build the soil health that helps us to produce nutrient-dense food.
0: Absolutely. Do you want to tell us what the five principles are? Didn't we talk about that last time? Well, <laughs> do you want to go through them again?
1: Sure, I, I can do that. The first one is is no till. I mean, it's it's no dig, no disturbance of any type. Like I like I started out with. It's 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 no double digging. It's no hoeing. It's no raking. It's no rototilling. Anything. We do zero disturbance. Number two is is the armor layer. Keeping that that armor layer on top of the soil. And and keeping it so that it it's protected. And number three is living roots. Um, we we always have to keep living roots in the soil. Um, we we have to have living plants, like I just explained, to keep feeding that soil beneath, beneath the zone. And it all starts with sunlight. It all starts with the photosynthesis that goes through the plants and develops into what we call liquid carbon is a is and there's a fancy name for it but if we think of liquid carbon it's easier to remember and the liquid carbon goes down through the plants and it exudates out through the roots and it feeds below the surface of the soil and number four is we always have to have the four plant types we should always be focusing and in a garden setting that's sometimes t- a little difficult to do but we need to have the four plant types in that we have to be thinking exactly the way that these plains and prairies survived for millions of, well I, I i don't want to say millions of years but i want to say hundreds of years that they survived on their own i mean we go back
0: what are the four plant types
1: cool first we start with warm season grasses which will be your corns and, and um, th- there's, and and I've got some warm season grass. I actually found a uh, uh, big blue stem grass this last summer in the store. And I bought some and planted it out here in the garden just for, because my good friend, Dr. Dwayne Beck Dakota lakes research talks about how the Buffalo survived on the big blue stem and, and big blue stem will grow six feet tall, but, the, the first is warm season grasses and then you have cool season grasses and cool season grasses in the farming community are like wheat and things like that. So you, you really have to, and and that's two of the things that get missed an awful lot especially the cool season grasses in a gardening setting then you have your warm season broadleafs which are like sunflowers and your your buckwheat can be classified as a warm season broadleaf those types of things then you have your cool season broadleafs that are like peas and more on the uh the pulse crop side your, your beans and and uh, lentils out in the field are a cool season broadleaf so it's important to have those four plant types in the regenerative process so that you're feeding the soil just like the native prairie is. If Jackie, if we took a snapshot of a, of a true native prairie, we'd have over 137 species of different plants and they'd be all over the board with the different spectrums and the different plant types they are. We'd have cool season and warm season all mixed in to that one snapshot. It's, it's incredible how the native prairie has evolved or how it is self-sustaining. And if we think about that part of the equation, then we can grow naturally. That's the best thing we can always think about. And and it sometimes it's it's harder for people that are in more of a um that that, that are less of a rural environment. I mean you can you can drive where you are located up in Northwest Montana, you can drive out of there. And I don't know if you do get a break in the trees going to town, but still even in the trees, you can see the different areas where, where you've got open fields where grass is growing. And even though it's, it's um, a colder climate, it still has adapt adapted itself to that environment and it's self sustaining. It, 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 nobody does anything for it. And yet, As long as it gets the proper amount of moisture, it flourishes every year. But the thing is that natural environment has established itself. Go walk out there and, and, and bend over and pull some of that residue out of the way on top. That's that armor layer that is self-sustaining that breaks down every year and protects the soil. That's the armor layer. And that's what that natural environment is doing is it's protecting the soil. And then number five is animal integration. And, you know, that's that's not always available for, for people to do. But I always say that um, build it so they will come. Build it like what I did here. You know, I, I couldn't find any worms out here. You could go out here and take a shovel and dig into the wet sand. You could go down two feet if you wanted to. You wouldn't find one worm in this soil. That's how depleted out it was. And I've got it back now to where they're starting to come because I built that environment on top. That's the animal integration that I'm talking about. That's the number. That's the fifth principle. Now, in a in a true regenerative system, you people will introduce chickens into the environment, and they'll have what they call chicken tractors. I have a good friend, Chris Badgett, up in in um, he's way up in Maine, and he has a chicken tractor out there he does some permaculture things and whatnot and he has a chicken tractor that moves his chickens on top of the soil and he plants his cover crops he feeds his chickens but those chickens are not allowed to graze that soil to the ground to make it bare they just they take enough of the food they they injure that plant that's grown so that it wants to try to rebuild itself but if we take that plant and chew it all the way to the ground then it has no way then then the roots will die because there's no food photosynthesis that can help that root to keep growing that's why if we take grass and we mow it too short the same thing happens so um, in a true ag setting people will introduce cattle into they'll do cover crop grazing they'll do stage grazing there's getting to be a, a lot more uh, information coming on that where people are, are becoming more open to that rather than
0: My husband and I were just talking yesterday about letting the deer in to kind of, uh, because when the guy from the NRCS or I don't know um, came out, we were trying to get um, like a grant for hoop houses and he said when he, when he was walking around Mike's little mini farm, he was suggesting that I was saying have you ever thought about letting the chickens into the mini farm? Mm-hmm. You know, during the winter, to mix it up. And he's like, you know, I'm thinking about letting the deer in because the the guy had told him there was something about their hooves, especially, that um, could mix it up well, a little. Too. I don't know
1: about that. To me, <laughs> um, they in in a cover crop setting, they um, they're real careful. About having cattle in there when there's too much moisture they'll move them off because there's too much soil disturbance you you know and i i i don't know know about the hoof Uh... thing but it does make sense with the deer um you know they're they're going to come in but there again uh but like with chickens what they do is you're you're more that's why i talk about chicken tractors because you can concentrate, and what it does, Jackie, is their their poop and their pee are all is concentrated in one area then. It's not all over the place. I had this conversation with somebody else just the other day, and they were saying, you know, turning cattle out on a 40-acre field. And, yeah, you can do that, but it works better to stage it because then their urine and their – their cow pies is more in a concentrated area and you can control that. And th- and that's some of what you're after as well to help build that regenerative process on top of the soil. It, it helps to, um,
0: so do you see Zoom's going to shut us off? I'm going to have to like kick a new meeting, I guess. And I don't know why it's doing that. It well, my mic quit working
1: earlier and then I unplugged it and plugged it back in. And that's the first time I've had that, but, um, if we need to restart, we can.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Um, I want to know what else you're growing besides potatoes.
1: Well, we grew tomatoes. We did some peas. We did a lot of herbs and things. But um, this is kind of a test project, Jackie. It was, um, you know, it's not something that we're we're going to struggle. Our our tomatoes looked. Pretty sick, simply because of the fact that we didn't have we you know they they didn't have anything with them. I mean um, now I know what I would have done different, um, and 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 I'm going to try some things with some some mini raised beds in here, and uh, in that process I'm going to put down. I have a potting mix that I mix up along with our our, uh, super soil from our, our worm
0: farm. And I'm going to take that. So listeners zoom cut us off. And then when we got back on, I guess I didn't hit record. So that's the end of golden seeds from Steve. Sorry, but I know he dropped tons in the time we were talking. I'll see if he can come back on. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Listeners, have you heard my most recent interview with JM Fortier? Did you know that he started an awesome new venture called Growers and Company, where they have a magazine that's printed that comes out twice a year that highlights the amazing farmers that he's taught personally. So you're going to learn from people who are putting his practices into place on their If you want to be a better farmer, you definitely want to subscribe to this magazine. That's going to be like a coffee table item on your shelf. And then the other thing, part of Growers and Company is he's created tools that he uses on his farm that he's like studied, you know, he got to travel all around the world when he wrote his book, The Market Gardener. If you don't have that, you absolutely have to get a copy of it, but he's, he's, he got to go travel to all these farms and then he would look at tools that they had in the hardware stores or using in these other farms, brought them back to his farm, you know, talked to a developer, came out with some really cool tools. Like he talks about his broad fork, the handles are just wood and that helps it make it light, but it's sturdy. It's just the exact kind of broad fork that I want. Um, they've got other really cool weeders and different things. And then he's got farmware that he designed that will keep you dry and keep you out there. I know with my, one of my big barriers was my garden shoes. So he's got boots and just great things that are stylish, comfortable, but most of all, they're going to keep you warm and dry when you're out in your garden doing all that hard work. So growers and company, Growers.co check it out, get something for your favorite gardener. Definitely get a small scale farmers are changing the world t-shirt for your favorite farmer marker vendor. Do you belong to a CSA? I'll bet you want to get them a Christmas present this year. It doesn't have to be on time. I know it might be late when you're hearing this, but make sure you support growers.co. Their stuff is super affordable. The Canadian exchange right now, um, I just bought something for someone, um, a present for Kathy from the composters because I go to her laughter yoga with her. And I think it said it was like $25 and then, it, but it only took $20 out of my bank account. So I, I probably shouldn't be talking about the Canadian exchange, but I know his things are affordable. I researched broad forks and what they cost. I, you know, it it's a great deal. You will get so much use out of that tool. Um, so support growers and co join Patty Armbruster and I for grow live on YouTube live Saturday mornings coming to you in 2021. We'll be answering your questions. We'll be, um, laughing and sharing information that you want to know because they're going to be answers to your questions on YouTube live Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Montana Standard Time, and 8 a.m. Pacific. Send us your questions. You can submit them at the organicgardenerpodcast.com forward slash patty. You can email me at orgpodcast at gmail.com. You can send them to Mike garden at gmail.com. Ask Patty live. Grow live with Jackie and Patty We'll be answering your questions. What do you need to know to grow healthy food in your garden? Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.